Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Shift. And boy, oh boy, am I in a good mood? I'm back in Ireland. And that's always fun for me. Uh, looking forward to the Vodafone Comedy Festival this weekend. Going to be loads of great shows. But in the meantime, we have an awesome episode coming up for you with Corinne Fisher from the Guys We Fucked podcast. Uh, probably our biggest guest to date. Certainly biggest guest in terms of the podcast world. And we have a great chat. First, we chat a little bit about the origins behind Guys We Fucked. Uh, talk about a bad breakup, actually, that sort of led to uh, Corinne to, to start it up. And we talk a little bit about bad breakups in general. Talk a little bit about slut shaming, because Guys We Fucked is the anti-slut shaming podcast. Talks, talk a little bit about slut shaming, uh, a little bit about one night stands. We sort of revisit that topic. Um, and uh, it's a fun ep. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Katie is back in New York. I'm back in Ireland, but we recorded this before I left. After the episode, stick around because I put on an extra 15 minutes about last night's episode of Love Island. So if you're a Love Island fan, stick around for the end. Um, it comes uh, after the episode finishes. Um, I watched my first live ep of Love Island last night. So, Corinne Fisher, and then a little 15-minute bonus. Thank you. Hi, Corinne. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> You're, you're our biggest guest, I think. Wow. That's not a good sign for the podcast. It's not good, but you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we were building up to it, you know? <laughs> well, you know, I guess you're, 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 you're almost like, a, like a, an accidental celebrity in a way. Would an you, accidental? Would, would you have thought that you'd become one of these podcasts sort of like new, really one of the big ones? Right. That's true. Yeah. No, I mean, no one, no one, I don't think, I think it's a bad idea for anyone to start a podcast and think that they're going to become famous off of it. I, it was the only thing in my career that I've actually done where I wasn't just directly trying to be famous. Yes. And then it backfired. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the, the, that's a classic, isn't it? Yeah. Like truly. And I'm, I'm very like not ashamed of it. I am very openly. That's why I love Andy Warhol. Cause he just very openly was obsessed with fame. And I've always been like that since I was a little kid, but I was uh, in like mental duress. That's why uh, that was the impetus for guys. We fucked to just, that wasn't the impetus, right? No, like mental duress was. Oh, mental duress. Yeah, Sorry, I got you. Yeah, it was just like a terrible uh, breakup, which I know is very dramatic, but I had a nice childhood, so it really was the most <laughs> traumatic thing that happened to me up until that point. <laughs> and I, what can I do? <laughs> a girl from New Jersey. The first breakup is the moment where... It wasn't my first breakup. It was just like, well, it was the first time someone dumped me, and it just it, it kind of came out of left field. And I would say it was my first... It wasn't my, it wasn't my longest relationship. It wasn't my first relationship, but it was the first one that felt like really a functioning adult relationship i would say yeah and it was, I, I yeah. think the first i think the first one is the worst yeah the uh, first function the first breakup ever the first real like heartbreak the one you cared about yeah it's a, the first one for me i just like i outgrew that person yeah it was five years i just dumped him we oh, also really? had, you had a five-year breakup Mm-hmm. yeah and that didn't kill you no it killed him i think but he was like, you know, I, we started dating when I was 18 and he was like 26. So I just outgrew, you know, him. Yeah. 18, 26. That's not the ideal. 
it was good for me. I, I it was I mean it was really positive in a lot of ways. I feel like I had a really healthy and good uh, introduction to sex because it's also the person I lost my virginity to, and I just really lucked out because I feel like that's kind of like a crapshoot. You can especially sure. when you're a woman, like it can be a really negative experience or positive. Um, and he was actually like good at sex. <laughs> So it's like, I mean, that's the advantage of like losing your virginity to a 26 year old instead of like a 17 year old. Um, (laughs) I've never even had sex with anyone under like 23 or 24 because after him, then I had sex with younger people. But um, yeah, it was good. I have like warm memories. My first one was nice. I felt like taken care of. It was good. That's lovely. Yeah. So then you had this traumatic break. So I, I actually did just a quick like flicking through the research. It's funny how the world has changed so much. There's not so many like print interviews anymore. Oh, I was going to say, I was like, God, oh, God only knows what you found. Well, there's just not a lot. To, like there's tons of podcasts, but I wasn't going to go. Like yeah. I would have had to listen to hours and not just your own podcast, but like interviews, interviews you've done. Yeah. But I was just looking for the kind of like, you know, just a bit of background. But there's just not a lot of like chat you know like written stuff anymore you know yeah i was i was like there was an interview in, in hustler that just came out a couple Damn days it, ago I didn't, I, that didn't come up online <laughs> they were like please keep your clothes on it was a clothed <laughs> interview bummer but, but i was surprised to see just in one of the, the quick descriptions of that was it your partnership with christina was quite random right in that you just was it she saw you or you saw her uh well I think you're you're ta- you're referring to a stand up show but oh. but she it was random in that she, I was working at a management company a talent management company yes. after college and she came to intern for us that's how we initially met oh okay so you guys were kind of friends before we were friendly I mean I was her boss yeah oh okay oh yeah, yeah I didn't get that from the thing yeah. I just thought that you, so I thought you must have been on the hunt for like a partner that was to do the show uh, what's it called your show. Sorry. Well, I mean, our show, Guys Be Fucked is the podcast. No, the podcast, I know. But sorry about last night as a comedy duo that all, like, Guys Be Fucked is under that umbrella. Yes. But Guys Be Fucked is just now more famous than that. Yes. So, yeah. But you just kind of said to her, hey, let's do this thing, right? She invited me to a bringer show at Broadway Comedy Club. And I was, at that time, like, while I was working in management, I hadn't officially started stand-up yet. I was doing, like storytelling UCB classes was very big in the UCB and then um and then I was like oh sure I'll come because I didn't know like that a bringer's a scam at that time (laughs) and I loved it I was like oh this is so fun because I loved stand-up I had always like I had gone to stand-up like from after prom when I was in high school I watched it on tv instead of talking to people like all summer I would stay and watch HBO stand-up and I had tried it one time in a contest when I was 17 but I just and it didn't go terribly but I just didn't have like enough material but I always say like if you have a ton of material when you're 17 like you've you've got problems yeah your life has not gone great (laughs) so I'm not upset about that yeah and I saw her and then I and then I was had already been like transitioning into stand-up at that time um and I thought I was reading like how to steal like an artist and it's said to have an A project and a B project when you're in the creative field and so I was like let's work together on like a a B project kind of like a Garfunkel and Oates was like super hot at the time. And I was seeing some other female duos that I liked and I just felt like it would be good. She was, you know, funny, easy to work with, helpful in the office, cute. Like I was like, this could work out. It seems, this seems sellable. Cause that's the key. Like I thought of things as sellable from day one from working in management without shame. 
Yeah, because I'm like, oh, it wasn't like I was taking people who I didn't think were talented, but I always kept in mind it, this must also be sellable. And ha- and like we we had like a meeting about branding like on day one, and that's when we came up with the, the name. Sorry about last night. Like we had a, like a business meeting at like my kitchen table in at the time Williamsburg. So that's great. And then yeah. you come up with the great concept of getting somebody on stage to tell their story, right? Yeah, I mean, that was a couple of years later. That was like three or four years later after we were working together. Uh, and then I was just like, oh, I need to go back in time and interview everyone I've ever slept with or had a relationship with to learn more about myself. Because I felt like the problem initially, I was like, oh, I'm not a good girlfriend. I'm not a good partner. But then very quickly into the process, I was like, oh, no, it wasn't just me. It was like I wasn't meshing with these people because they're not my people. And that's okay. Yeah. And, and how did the podcast come about then? Uh, it was just that it was just that one breakup. So it, a guy was dating a guy uh, from the UCB. He it, and you know usually in a relationship, even if it's not like hugely apparent, there's usually one person who likes the other person a little bit more. Very few times is it like exactly even. And so this was a case where he liked me more. Um, I liked him a lot, but he liked me a little bit more. And uh, so he was like, would dote on me. Like I went to Israel for instance, for birthright. And he like wrote me a letter every single day, you know, that kind of like dramatic love. Um, it's like a physical letter. Uh, he wrote it on his computer and then like, cause it wouldn't get there in time. It was only 10 days. And so, but he wrote me a letter like, and then saved them on my computer. <laughs> oh, every so you would day. have to open it every day. Yeah. Oh so I was God. like, oh, okay. And then, um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, like told me like I was the one and all this stuff. And I was like, cool. And then kind of out of nowhere within the course of like the last like one to two months of the relationship, like it completely uh, t- changed. And the dynamic changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he dumped me in a Panera bread and I oh, had a, a breakdown. Wow. Yeah. It lasted a long time. The breakdown lasted like a year. It was not great. I mean, like I was like, I was like, I lost like 20 pounds and like two months my hair was falling out because I wasn't eating properly like my tongue turned gray I don't know if you've ever been like actually like malnourished medically malnourished but your tongue turns gray when you're doing when you're malnourished and like I had to get acupuncture to even like get back to like a a, a median level of health it was sad now obviously Mm. you talked to somebody at the time right it must have been a trigger for more than just a heartbreak right no, I mean, I just, I just went to acupuncture. No, it wasn't a trigger for anything. I don't, I, I don't have like childhood trauma. It was just, it was just truly. I think the, the trigger was that I really hadn't gone through anything like, like a loss, a, a painful loss mm-hmm. in that way. And I think to experience it for the first time as an adult is actually, uh, it's, it's a little worse because then you because I have no I'm an adult I've been in the world and I have zero tools like chickenpox to handle this yeah well it, it's also get, go ahead well it's just like for it's like someone died that's what people forget if it's a breakup it's a loss it's okay you know they're yeah. not dead but it's the death of, of yeah. yous being together and so it, it's it can be very I think traumatic. it's worse than death like I, I, I like wrote a I wrote a joke about that at the time about how it's worse than death because it's like you know like if someone dies like yeah they're dead but like if you break up with someone it's like they're 
they're dead to you but then like you that you can still like show up with someone who looks <laughs> like you or like you can hear about them through friends like yeah you know that's that's what the hard part was like and especially in the age of social media because you can watch someone move on in real time and that's like a i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy honestly yeah. well, very and painful. were you torturing yourself with all that oh yeah well i have obsessive compulsive disorder so that that's the one part that's why i'm like especially bad at breakups and i actually was have been doing research on it and there's a specific type of ocd called relationship ocd and i was like oh i think i have that one i mean i do other ocd ocd stuff but i was like oh this is why the breakups because like you kind of like go through every scenario in your mind and like uh kind of like a, like a mouse in like a labyrinth and you're like but there's no you're not going to come to a better answer yeah also i don't know if you guys are familiar there's like there's a like a relationship therapist named guy winch and he has an amazing ted talk that i recommend to anyone it's 12 minutes it's called how to fix a broken heart i've only discovered this this year and like out of all the time i've spent talking or thinking about breakups this 12 minutes will change your life because he uh equates uh breakups to addiction and it's like you understand everything so succinctly after and watching this. Is it, is it about understanding what you're going through or is it actually about how to get over it? Uh, it's both. It's realizing like that the person has become an addiction more than anything. And then he gives you tools. I mean, the, the best tool being like you make a list in your phone of the reasons why that person was wrong for you and you access it anytime you think of them. Like instead of like going to social media and like, honestly, like, reading the list reading a list of reasons someone is wrong to you or like things they've done that were shitty to you and having that uh, at the touch of a button is so helpful and like you have to have such a deep self-hatred for that not to the not to like get through to you because every time I look at that, I go, yeah, oh, yeah, that's crazy. Why would I even miss this person? I, I did that. With, I didn't watch that, but I did that. Someone suggested me to do that for mm-hmm. my last relationship and because I'd gone back to him. Uh-huh. But that, when, once I did that, then I didn't go back. So it was great. I would just, anytime I was like, oh, I kind of want to unblock him. Yeah. <laughs> or any of that stuff, I would just look at the list and be like, Jesus, no, this is a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great, good. Great advice. But like many addictions, it can be easy to relapse. Oh, sure. And like, it's not like you can't get addicted to someone else, you know? Yes. Because like, I, I don't, I've never been addicted to like a substance, but I do have an addictive personality and I'm aware of that. Mm-hmm. So I'll get addicted like, to like collecting Spice Girls memorabilia <laughs> or stuff. Like I get very into things. Um, but yeah, just not. And there's an end. There's an end to Spice Girls memorabilia. You, you know what? You'd be surprised. <laughs> like the guy with the largest collection in the UK, like isn't even close. Oh really? And he has like many rooms in his in his flat dedicated to it. Like it's intense. They've made they made so much merchandise. I own five thousand dollars from when I was a kid of merchandise. Which when you're a kid, that's a huge amount of. And like I mean, that's like I own probably like one. 170th maybe like of the of the stuff that they made it's crazy it doesn't help that they went back on tour again recently right so you just like no and i flew to london to see them now you did Mm -hmm. did you get you got some new memorabilia i hope hell yeah i did i got a i have a spice girls jacket i'll be wearing this winter (laughs) if anyone wants to see it's cool now it's cool going on it's hot going on a date as a 33 year old woman with a spice girls jacket when you were younger it's acceptable you're a young girl into the spice girls now you're older and it's cool oh i don't care i was like i'm (laughs) i have an unabashed love for them i really like a newsletter dedicated to them for five years (laughs) so how does starting an anti-slut shaming podcast Mm-hmm. help with your your breakdown uh, how did it, well i mean 
I thought I thought that because uh, you know we would have people that uh, used to date me come on and we would interview them and I thought hearing from them would help but it was honestly just talking out my own thoughts into the microphone that helped the same way when you're working on a joke if you go to an open mic it was that open mic aspect and then it forced me also because you don't want to be stagnant when you're on a podcast and other people are listening to it it's easy to be stagnant with self-help when you're kind of like hiding your flaws or the things that you need to work on in your in your heart or in your home but when you're talking about it you're like well I want to make fucking progress so I don't look like a loser Mm. Um, and so it was that that helped me and then just honestly like talking about it all the time made me more interested in it and I would do more research on it because like I'm very studious at the core so anything that I approach including relationships like I do do it there's like a studious aspect to it yeah and did you find that that guests and Christina challenged you on stuff which also helped or no Mm, I usually challenge myself more than anyone else like I'm a harsher critic of me than anyone else is gonna be so it's like that's why it kind of like didn't prove helpful and also my exes were too fucking nice to me I was like, guys, I'm not even that nice. Like, be like, me, be meaner. And they were like, really nice. <laughs> I was like, what is this? You know? Where was this guy? You never wanted to get back with any of them. Well, I mean, none of my exes honestly were mean to me. Like, I don't like allow that kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. meanness. Like, I'm sure people have like um, emotionally abused me like unknowingly. Like me, I didn't know. Maybe they didn't even know. But also, like, it took me, like, many years to even understand exactly what emotional abuse can be or, like, the many places or the many ways that it can manifest. (laughs) Because there's so, I mean, so many things can be categorized as emotional abuse. And I think that conversation has gotten a lot louder over the past couple of years with the Me Too movement and other things like that. Yeah, I mean, I do want to talk a little bit about that, perhaps at the end, only because I'm fresh off listening to a great interview you did with the journalist from the Huffington Post. I forgot her name. Oh, okay. One of the free free ones on the Huffington Post, like the original, like the one like from years ago. I, I well, it, it has to be post Me Too. It has to be post Louis and everything. Right. You're discussing that, but yeah, a very interesting chat. But w- were you so you say that this breakup start, you know, like you know, motivates to do it, but you call it an anti slut shaming podcast, so you must have been also motivated to sort of tackle that was christina's part so it's like i came up with the concept for like the core of guys we fucked which is the interviewing the exes and then um because like the podcast format is the first 30 to 45 minutes is just christina and i kind of doing what i would now call like almost like a radio reality tv show so it's just our lives um unfolding and then after that we bring on a guest and we talk about different like sexual concepts so that's like more of the part that she thought of um because we wanted to make it something that was relatable to everyone if they like you know not just like some show about two chicks that no one at the time knew yes um so and and yeah she experienced that a lot especially like in comedy you know we were both already working in comedy for several years at that time and you get a lot of like oh like are you you know if say you if you say you're a performer they're like what are you a stripper and you're like no i mean like you like attractive people can also be comedians like if, if you're a woman like it's not <laughs> it's not unheard of do, 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 do you do you do you say you're a performer i uh, do i mean sometimes well i mean sometimes or like y- y- you know if you put it on like a dating profile for instance like i don't know if you've ever been on like raya but like they like you know they ask you what you are and it's so funny because christina seen, was I've, on I've it first on You've seen me on Raya? I have. Am I still, I, I stopped it. It's, yeah, but it was, I was like, that's how I met my ex. I just dumped the guy I met on Raya. So hot. So sad. Um, <laughs> really. I'm you not, dumped your Raya guy? Uh, yeah. It just, I mean, like at a certain point, you're, you got to be like, uh, I really like him as a person. And 
Kai is so hot, but yeah, it's just not my person, sadly. Katie just went through a hot guy breakup. Yeah, I, I, I put up with a lot because he was so hot. <laughs> really, it's really <laughs> tough. You're like, ah! <laughs> Two full sleeves of tattoos played in corn. I can't even go, and honestly, I can't even talk about it's it. the tattoos as well. They get me too. I we love a sleeve it. As well. Oh. well, yeah, because I've dated a lot of hot guys, but it's like, this is my kind of hot, yeah. you know? Like, specifically, my kind of hot is like very like goth, punk rock. Like, okay, anyway. I'm going to just get sad about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, performer. And no, oh, so like Christina was on Raya and uh, I looked at her profile because I love like, I'm really good at making people's profiles like the best they can be. I feel like I'm great at selling people. And uh, she had comedian on there and like she wasn't getting any hits and I'm like that's weird you're like very attractive um and so I was like let's change it to performer and let's see and then all of a sudden no way so many connections and I was like yeah the comedian is such an unappealing occupation romantically for uh for uh women to have unfortunately I need to go change my hinge that's the only one I have (laughs) (laughs) no wonder I keep looking it goes no likes I fucked up there I just got I had a friend pass I should have gave it to you on Ryan you, you get an, I think you get another yeah, one. Yeah, it'll come up Ooh. again, but I let that one expire. It's actually the first one that I didn't use. Yeah. yeah. I've I been asked if I, when I said performer, if I were a stripper as well. So it's like, then they're like, <laughs> I guess oh it feels like so vague. Funny. I don't know. Yeah, you, even if you were like, like performer sounds like you don't want to say what you are. Right. Which is fair enough if you're a comedian, because that's another good reason to not say but what you are. But that was in real life. on some stupid questions. That was not like a site. No, no, but I mean, oh, yeah, even yeah. like if you're in a yeah. taxi or whatever. Right. You know, you say you're... I, I'm not comparing the experience because I, I definitely know that there's like a more negative reaction when a woman says she's a comedian, but you still get stupid questions even as a man. When you oh, say for sure. So it's a good thing not to say. However, yeah. I would never say performer. Yeah. Oh, would you then say? It, you're, Entertainer? If I'm really not in the mood, I say that I'm a, a promoter of gigs. Oh, I was but like, if I'm not in the mood, I say I'm an accountant. Oh. Yeah. I, I mean, you just like something completely, yeah, something that, that knows could, to ask follow-up questions <laughs> about. Oh, yeah. That's like, great. You I are write? an accountant. Yeah. Can, yeah. I, can I, yeah, but you, so you know what to talk about. Well, wow. no. See, I say promoter of comedy gigs because. Well, I mean, like we are an accountant of ourselves, right? Yeah. I was like, I'm not an actual no, accountant. Not, my yeah. best friend oh. is an accountant, though. So I know enough, <laughs> enough things to bullshit my way through a conversation. Should anyone ask any follow up questions? Well, then you can just say, actually, I look after comedians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, mm. myself. <laughs> yeah. It's like I make three dollars a year. So it's fun. I, I look after comedians accounts and then they'd be like, oh, who's interesting? You can say, oh, yeah. David tells a nice guy and then that's <laughs> the end of the com- you know and you can just talk about comedians without them thinking that you're a comedian right I could say accountant I've done two ex-boyfriends uh, account or tax returns while I've been here so I could you're say doing that. tax returns Katie can I date you this is amazing the- <laughs> yeah whoa you offer services that's crazy alright so that. you know we we're, we're like a, a new sort of Irish sex and dating podcast but slut shaming definitely is something we try to Get at particularly because there's flies. There was, there's it alarms. wasn't. It was a tiny. It was. A, I, I think it was a gnat. Amazing. It was a gnat. Well, good. But uh, <laughs> the, I think. I, I think. I'm our, like back. Uh, <laughs> really our, back about bugs. <laughs> Irish people probably grew up with even more shame around sex than. Well, yeah, I was gonna say we actually have guys. We fucked has a lot of Irish uh, listeners, and it's always very eye opening when they email in. Yeah. Is there, do you? I mean, I know you get so many emails, but. Do, do, do you have any recollection, like a standout moment that you went, oh, that's quite different? Well, I mean... I, uh, or even I, just an energy. Uh, well, I just, you know, because we talk a lot, obviously there's been a lot of like, you know, things with uh, a woman's right to choose. Uh, going That was in the 
past year that was kind of like the big thing that we were getting Irish listeners emailing about and then also just like the Catholic guilt because and Mm -hmm. I mean the the effect that religion has on sexuality and shame and feeling like a burden that's through that goes across the board for all religions we've had really strict Jews we've had Muslims going through the same thing but like the Catholic guilt from the Irish listeners is definitely a very real thing Yeah. yeah I mean it's considered really like the the dirtiest thing that you can do for whatever reason yeah yeah or talking about it can be yeah like people talk more openly about it over here Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what we want to talk openly about the that's good i mean it's a very needed it's a very needed conversation because it was amazing to me when we started doing the podcast how bad people really did feel about themselves and like how disgusting they felt over things i'm like i've been doing this for years like i don't i just didn't because that's one thing I didn't have. I didn't really have that shame. So you never felt, so you start, when you start Guys We Fucked and you talk oh, so openly about sex, you never, you never felt like you were breaking barriers for yourself. No, I was doing, like, I looked at it more as a social experiment because uh, I was looking at it as like a, like a one-on-one, like a small picture, like an individual um, moment of reflection and it, rather than like a social movement or you know thing thing of that nature i was looking like at interpersonal personal relationships that was my concern and then very quickly i saw that it was something that was needed because i mean our initial pitch was like in the description was kind of like a howard stern for girls just like women talk about these things too and it's not with like we don't handle sex with kid gloves the way that people think that we do yes um and so and so it was a nice Howard Stern for girls felt good being a sexual person and a comedian. It just was it was like, oh, this is a natural mesh. Uh, yes. You know, meshing of ideas. Yeah. Even though really it's clearly quite revolutionary because they're, I mean, if you're in the comedy world, you see a lot of women talking openly about sex. Mm-hmm. But in such a, if the, it, as it went so big so quickly, it's actually quite revolutionary because I, I, you know, I hear some Apparently. emails. Yeah, well, your emails are coming in from all these places where they're oh, probably yeah. not used to hearing that at all. Yeah, yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of a lot of. I mean, sometimes it's people are listening and I'm like, I'm worried for them. But I mean, I've had yeah, I've had instances where like, I had a young boy who was like, you know, like. 16 maybe and I mean like that's not that young but he felt he was very he felt very young and he got went to a, a super strict uh, Jewish school very conservative like couldn't even watch TV so he was kind of only getting like media that his parents were giving to him but somehow he got, he got access to this podcast and was listening to it and like DM'd me on Twitter I like met him outside a bar show and then very quickly I realized he was like struggling with his sexuality and all this stuff and I was like well I can be like your pen pal I was like obviously like I can't you know you're not 18 I can't go against whatever your parents say yes. but I can introduce you to some new concepts I was like I can sneak you some DVDs <sighs> not like porn just like DVDs that might even have some insight to what a a, a, a real relationship might be like um, because I was so worried for him because some so many uh, religions are still so anti-homosexuality homosexuality and to live uh that life when you're in New York just seemed crazy to me. I was like, you're so close to being accepted. Like you live in a space where uh, being accepted is so accessible. And it's like, I can't, I, I, you, you don't need to live like this. Yeah. Yes. That's and I, cause they were going to ship him off to Israel. And I was like, do whatever you can not to go. Well, if you're struggling <sighs> with your sexuality, you might as well go there because it turns out <laughs> not a bad place to go as a gay man. 
maybe you fucked them up there no it's no it's a i've been to israel i don't it's a i don't know i feel like the it's very uh tense yes all around there you 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 feel he wouldn't flourish there i don't know i just and i just felt like it was like cutting him off and like you need to go to a place where he had more control over his own life and i felt like they were just like kind of pushing and pushing him into this more like reformed judaism yeah do you ever do you ever get worried about your you know boundaries there we're so young, such formative years. Oh yeah, I mean, like I didn't, I didn't do anything. I don't, yeah. you know, I, I think I'm like a pretty good and like, people think I'm like a hot mess because of the branding of you know guys we fucked, and I'm like I'm one of the most stable comedians you're gonna fucking meet. Like I really am. I can hold a regular job. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> like, you did. I have a, I have a, I adopted an animal. Like I have an apartment to myself. Like it's, I'm fine. <laughs> so Katie, I mean, you, you've, you. You feel like you grew up with a lot of like negative re- reactions around like a, a woman being sexual, right? Or sorry, negative messages about a woman being sexual, right? Yeah, like I, I've said this before in the podcast, but I only really learned, I only learned even about masturbation until I came over here. And I'm still sort of figuring that out at 28 years old. So how old were you when you came over? 24. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there's, it was just more open here. But even when we started the podcast, like I remember the next day waking up from the first episode going like my gut was like, oh, I can't believe I was so open. So many Irish people. It's different. You know, sure. yeah. So that was something I had to work through. Uh, I think it's getting a lot better. Back, th- I actually messaged my friends today being like, is there a lot of slut shaming in Ireland right now? And they were like, I don't think so now. But like there was before, there would be kind of like a, I guess you wouldn't be loud about your number or like even now I wouldn't even, well, I don't know how many people I've slept with, but I wouldn't, I would lie. <laughs> so. well, I mean, that's still a thing in America too. And certainly that like explanation that you just had of like waking up the next day and be like, what the fuck did I say? I mean, like uh, Christina, my comedy partner definitely felt that and was very nervous. Uh, I, I, f- I feel like it's, I just don't care. I really don't care what other people think. And I, and I, now I realize now how rare that is after doing the podcast for a long time. Um, but it's definitely like, more people feel your way yeah, <laughs> for like, sure definitely and doing it was great because it made me be more like you in regards to I'm like okay look I'm just gonna stand by this but um I think it's made me so much more open in the past few months mm-hmm. where, I, where I wouldn't have been before at all or that little bit of shame where you're like oh Jesus I can't believe I'm talking about this but um this so the slut shaming thing when you came out of the relationship did you did you ever feel okay with like one night stands or Oh, uh, which re- I was like, which relationship? I was, I was like, yeah, yes, one before. night stands always. I mean, I hadn't like so. It's like the first boyfriend five years, um, and then pretty much after that, you know, I was fine with one night stands. It's, they're not my favorite thing, just because. Uh, ironically, I'm not having sex for like just like the pleasure of like the physical pleasure of sex. Like I like connecting with people one on one. I'm really like I hate groups, I hate parties and stuff like that, just because it feels like a bunch of like bullshit surface conversations. Like even if I ha- like hang out with my own friends, even if we're all friends, I prefer like a one on one going out. That's just more meaningful to me. Um, so that's why one night stands aren't great. And also just like as a woman, like the chances that you're gonna kind of like come or be touched in the way that you need to with someone you just met day one night one like it's just not really gonna happen it's kind of like ugh. and also safety like i'm not trying to get murdered i like yeah. i am very like psycho about that like i'm like i like going to a stranger's house is like i've done it i think one time yeah i think I, yeah i've had one one night stand and even if i had slept with other people once they were all people i knew yeah i've slept with like almost all my friends <laughs> which is great really <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yes. But I, because I had said to Dez on a different episode, we've been kind of talking about when I stands. And I guess for me, anyone that I had, I felt like just gross the next day. But also, um, on which I love, I would love if I didn't feel like that. So I thought maybe as an older woman, I wouldn't feel like that. Yeah. And now that I know how to get myself off. But I recently met someone and I kind of considered it. But then I just thought, no, I just, I didn't feel safe. I was like, I just, sure. yeah, I just, I would be more comfortable having a one night stand with a friend. <laughs> For me, like, I love fuck buddies. Like, that's to me, like, if you're not in a relationship, especially in New York, like, a fuck, a fuck buddy great i told katie she needs a fuck buddy yeah i love fuck buddies because it's nice because like you can chat a little and like i'm not super chatty i have a lot of like uh definitely masculine personality traits which is why i i think part of the reason why i was able to like have a lot of sex with a lot of my friends and like it's totally fine now because it kind of like took the edge off of any relationships that could have thrived uh, otherwise and now we're like just really good friends because we don't have that like what if going on yeah. it's just like it's just completely out of there I'm like oh we fucked now it's fine now you're like my buddy and like you can come over and you can meet my boyfriend like and it truly and it truly is good um, I don't recommend that for everyone it depends you know you have to know yourself but yeah like fuck buddies oh my god I like my favorite fuck buddy of all time is married and has a kid now and I still think of him fondly I'll still text him sometimes like respectfully but yeah of course just like hey what's up he doesn't he doesn't slide offside or anything though. no he's no not at all not at all he's he's a very upstanding gentleman i just like truly like miss him but it's that kind of thing where like unfortunately sometimes men are silly and they're too honest with their wives like i went to his birthday party truly as a friend when he was engaged i guess and like he made the mistake of telling no. his fiance how he knows me and then i was not invited to any more birthday parties oh. And it was fun because it was like this thing, like every January, no matter where we were, no matter who we were dating, we would always meet at his birthday party and like not to have sex, just to truly be like, hey, what's up? Like we're still friends no matter what. And it was like, I looked forward to it. And that was that ended. Uh, but, but that's interesting. We've had we've had mixed messages on on what you should be honest about and what you shouldn't be honest about in a relationship. Oh, yeah. Well, a just a lot for of different that. feelings on that. Yeah. I mean, I say like there was because there's no because we were truly it's not like any funny stuff was going on. Um, and so. So, and there are other ways that we knew each other. Like I had interned for him. That's how we initially met. Um, and so there was no need to divulge the fact that we had also been fuck buddies. It was just not necessary for his wife to know that yeah. or his fiance at the time to know that. Yeah. I wouldn't have told her. It wasn't constructive in any way. No, I definitely would not have told her. Yeah. No, no but we had a few, um, who do we have on when we went upstate to interview her? Oh, Sarah. Yeah, we talked about the honesty. But then actually, uh, Kate Sheeler, but I don't think it, w it was in the interview, but she was very much like, you should be able to say anything. Oh, she was very, yeah, but I you just think able, I just what you don't know won't hurt you. And you're, asked, yeah. you're expecting them to have a level of security. Like, I think if they're telling me, then there's obviously nothing going on. So, But I would be like that, but I just don't even want to. I've never dated anyone pretty secure. I've Most guys I've dated well. have been jealous about my guy friends. Yeah, but so plus I'm you don't want to suddenly start mm. looking at a woman thinking my 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 soon-to-be husband was fucking this girl yeah especially it just gets in your brain brain. it just takes a lot of mental effort to be okay with it and you don't yeah. even need to put them through right and then it, like i mean like that it killed that you know any chance we had like a, at a platonic relation like friendship and then it also one of my really good friends from high school the same thing he was too honest with again his now wife and like i mean i barely talk to that guy anymore it's really sad because it's just like it's it's to me it's it's more of like uh the problem with like women not trusting other women 
Yeah. I mean, and not trusting their own husbands. So it's like, you should definitely trust your own husband if you're marrying them. And then women just need to like be better to other women. And then also then, so then we can trust each other. And like, I understand why uh, women don't trust other women because I mean, unfortunately I have too many instances where it's proven that you can't, but uh, I, I have an idealistic humans, view no? in my... But it's security as is well. It women, is it, mm. I mean, women on women. Uh, see, this is like... See, gosh, one, one thing that I really focus on on Guys We Fucked uh, is uh, because I think it's one of the main reasons that feminism isn't at, at, like progressing at the rate at which it should be is because women consistently hold one another and ourselves, but also one another back. It's bad. I mean, like, Christine and I, you know, talked very openly about uh, our you know, some, some breakups that we had, uh, like about a year and a half ago. And I mean, within a week, they, our listeners were DMing our dudes to try and fuck. Like, I mean, it's just like, <laughs> cannot trust people. <laughs> it was but real is, shady. is it not just human behavior, but because women have so much to fight for, it feels like more of a, uh, 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 what's the, what's the word? My brain is not working. Uh, you know, more of a, a stab in the back. A slight, yeah, sure. I mean, I think it's also yes, that's part of the reason. Um, but then, part of it, I think, is also like women will fight to the death for like dudes who are mediocre, yeah. and like dudes don't do that. Like dudes aren't fighting like you know to the other dudes to the death for mediocre women in the same way. Mm-hmm. We're wasting time. So I think that's the that's the additional issue like you know like the stand by your man thing is still quite prevalent yes stand by your woman not really a thing that's like a gay guy but there's also a trope of women like other guys women or uh, sorry men like other yeah yeah i think men have found a a better way to handle it though and i don't think men like i'm not i usually think women handle a lot of things better but i think uh men are just more much more open and like you might like punch each other in the face but then you'll truly get over it whereas women will harbor resentment and then that resentment will carry on to like the next women you meet and so it's like a lot of pent-up emotional stuff whereas guys uh, kind of found a more uh archaic and barbaric way to handle it but i think in that case it's that's the necessary way to handle it well it's also like so if a guy if his guy's with a girlfriend and she sleeps another guy guy goes for guy if a girl not all the time but sometimes if a girl finds out her guy slept with another girl she targets oh wait did i say that wrong well you're saying that she goes i'm for saying the girl oh right? Yeah, instead of being like, oh, so that's bo- so both people. Okay, sorry. I, <laughs> I just realized. But I mean, shouldn't it always be, you should be just annoyed with your partner, not exactly. the other people. Because oh, it's not 100%. other people's fault at all. So I guess that works both the same. But. Yeah. And I, and I, I uh, yeah, I really try to always remember that. Like, it's I, like the yeah. person who is in the committed relationship is the one who has the number one responsibility. And not that yeah. like you should, like if you're not in a relationship, you just go around like fucking married people and stuff. You also have like a responsibility just to be a decent human, I think think but it's like the number one person who is at fault is the person in the relationship obviously and you, you would find that in like girls conversations like I guess like well, what she did or like I had a girl attack me once because her boyfriend was cheating on her with other girls not me but she presumed I knew because I was friends with the boyfriend which is like way yeah. you're gone way past sure her. but yeah it, there can be a bit of a yeah I understand but you think that's a bullshit stereotype right though this thing of like women love uh guys that are with women 
uh, I mean, some women do. Yeah, but you know, I certainly but, don't. No, yeah, me but, neither. But, it, oh but my it's gosh. out there as if it's more of a female thing to sort of, you know, co- want to covet somebody else's really? man. I think I think married men get hit on a lot. Like if you have a wedding ring, no, I don't think necessarily boyfriends get hit on a lot. I I can say I pretty I know kind of like an attractive, well put together mar- married men does get hit on a lot because I think, you know, women have been through so many relationships at the point where they're going to be hitting on a married ma- man, like where they're by that age that they're like, oh my God, at least I know this one is like made some kind of a commitment, has his shit kind of together yes. yeah. because we're just so fed up at that point. And you're like, oh, someone else did this homework for me. Maybe I can like poach this guy. So do you think that it still exists then that a woman loves to fuck and just is a very sexual person? Do you think it still exists where there's a double standard and women get judged more for their behavior than men? Yeah, there's still a double standard, but I think we're like we're moving in a, a right direction. It depends. Sometimes like sometimes well, now I feel York, like it was yeah, like Yeah, I feel like that regressed a little bit, honestly. I think like the ninety like nineties were if you remember were like a prime sexuality time. Uh, and then it, it it pulled back a little bit. So like there's like there's still just this, that, like, just out of curiosity. What are the examples? Because I, I can't think of the difference. You know? Like a like a, like a uh, culture, even like like a, like a fly girl culture. Like I can't even imagine like a fly girl being a what's thing a fly right girl? now. Oh, that's right. Sorry. That's what, um, well, this is me and my American. No, but I grew up in Queens. But I don't know what you mean when you say a that. fly girl is the sexy dancers from In Living Color. Oh right. Okay, I remember them. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I, something like that. I feel like that was a very empowered form of sexuality. But that's just like not something that you would see. I mean, for various reasons, including that feminists would probably step in and like ruin the fun um but that's because a lot of feminists i know wouldn't look in those outfits oh well (laughs) (laughs) you know you gotta have to be like you have to be honest about some shit and i mean that's part of like the whole thing it's like christina and i wanted to put out into the world a palatable sellable feminism so it's like any concept that you want to catch on you have to you have to market it and like feminism has not been marketed well it's very unappealing especially to men and it, like so you have to find like a way to rebrand it to make, to make it seem good so people get on board like i don't know why that is so hard for people to understand you can't come in guns a blazing you got to take a like kind of small steps to get people on board i mean i was just getting in twitter fights on amtrak oh, you're on my get, way back yeah, from boston you're gonna get annihilated for that oh, I but don't i mean i think it's a good i mean it's definitely a good thing to think about not to mention that Obviously, you want to be able to get the point across to everybody, and, and not everyone's going to receive the information in the same way. Of course. But number two, people are naturally going to experience it in a different way because they haven't had the experience. So, like, as much as men will try to understand, they just yeah. can't understand they can it completely. They can sympathize. They can't empathize. Yes, yeah. exactly. They haven't had that experience. Totally. And, of course, some of them are just going to be like, but you just have to... Yeah. Deal, you know, they're not going to be able to understand. I, I know I'm, st- I, I'm still, com- as a woman, confused of what feminism is. And I think I read an co- uh, interview that you said, but, and I'm not sure if it was you or Christina who said it, but it was like, I am a feminist because I, I'm a woman and I like being me. It was something similar, like, like I want to I wanna do well, but there is... Like it is confusing sometimes. I'm just right, like, and like you don't even have to wor- use the word feminism. Like if that for some reason rubs people the wrong way, like that's totally fine. It's just like I mean, look at the world and be like, am I tr- being treated equally? And do I have equal time to speak? Am I being, you know, I think a common thing with women is like we're t- we're treated like children a lot. Yeah, especially like if I'm a, if I don't have makeup on and I'm like I'm short, I'm like wearing sneakers. Like people, th- I don't know how the fuck old people think I am, but I mean, I have people telling me like wear a winter hat when I go out. Like, yeah. I'm like what? 
I well, I I've, I've dated men who speak to me in a baby voice, mm-hmm. and I, it drives me mental. Yeah, <laughs> it's so unattractive. Yeah, um, it's very men speak to you in a baby voice. I've had two. Yeah, um, you know, like a, oh, how's my baby? How's my da- how are you today? Oh, One said, "Have weird. you got your periods?" <laughs> Oh, periods! You get you get you get many of them at the one time. <laughs> oh, I guess wow. he was trying to be cute, but it's definitely not my thing. And when I had said like, please don't speak to me in baby talk, he took an offense. Like, of oh, course, saying I'm not masculine, and I was like, no, I'm saying that it makes me feel like, like a baby. Yeah, yeah. So. You you corrected him on something, you gave him some constructive criticism, and then of course he tried to like push it back at you. Yeah, in I some hate way. that. Well, no, men, they suck, man. <laughs> but you know that. But even with no, this, this, it's not like that. Everyone sucks. I hate. Uh, that's why I have a dog. It's all people. <laughs> it's all people now, and it's so hard to date in the city. <laughs> My stepmom today was like, "You should go on like Irish, like an Irish association board to find somebody." Honestly, oh, you can't do the bloody apps in Ireland. You can't do them because like every fifth swipe, you're your fucking cousin or something. Yeah, it's such a small gene pool oh wow you have to you have to swipe right and then do 23 and me to make sure you're not gonna have, <laughs> yeah. you're not gonna have a genetic problem you with have to the make child. sure you can procreate yeah and exactly is this something here like i find like a lot of uh irish guys have asked me how many sexual partners i've had which i've never occurred to me to ask and i do think there is it's it was more important to them like a two i'd said this on the podcast before but two guys had said to me i hope it's less than five now it's a lot more than that but right like, definitely that's an irish thing i think uh i mean it's that that's like uh you know in with a couple of first boyfriends things like that have happened but i mean i've since changed the type of person that i date and then also i mean when you're people just you know i, I don't think they expect the the host of the guys we fuck podcast that have only had yeah. sex with five people so you know my represent my reputation precedes me so it's a little easier you know the internet has helped yeah give everyone a briefing but you don't get do you do you guys consider the podcast educational uh i, I love the uh, way that you said that and the way your lip curled up first of all um i mean that is not it we certainly do not ever advertise it as that and also it's like how are you looking at educational like i, I mean like should uh, you be listening to it if you want to be an OBGYN or get actual you know concrete medical advice no absolutely not but educational in like a street smarts for women kind of way absolutely i think it's one of the most educational and most honest things you're going to hear but also i i guess i meant educational slash motivational for people to be experimental with their sex life and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I never, I, I think it's like to expose these different options that you have. Like, I think people don't even know, like so many people don't even know, like, oh, I could have a monogamous relationship as, you know, Dan Savage would say, or I could do an open relationship or I could, these are other ways that I can, you know, have sex that I might not have even known were possibilities. Like, I think you, it's good to expose people to options. I never push people into being being more sexual or being kinkier or being weirder. In fact, I try to often remind listeners like, hey, like there's nothing wrong with not being that sexual, not having a high libido, wanting to have missionary sex all the time. Like you just got to, you just have to find that person. I think it's important because yeah, people like to put the word vanilla on. Yeah. And, I, and again, like, yeah, vanilla has such a negative connotation. I don't think there's anything wrong. I'll use it on myself. Like I often say like, oh yeah, I'm a lot more vanilla uh, than I th- than I th- would have guessed I was when I started the podcast because I've tried all this crazy stuff. I've gone to sex parties. I've had sex in public, all this kind of stuff. Was I comfortable doing it? Yes. Did I find it arousing or appealing? No. I was just like, 
I'm bored. Like it's yes, just not not your thing. It seemed like a lot of like show and like nonsense to prove something that I had no interest in proving. That's merely what I thought. I yes. know some people find it very arousing, and that's awesome. I certainly felt like the spaces were like safe and clean, so that was cool. But other than that, I was like, no, thank you. Yeah, but I wonder would you have tried it if you hadn't been in this space where you're suddenly exposed to all this different type of shit? Right. I mean, I don't. I mean, like, I mean, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't have probably even known half this stuff existed. Uh, I mean, with my first boyfriend, and that was long before you know I was a comedian or I had a podcast or podcasts were even a thing. We went to like an S and M type club in New York City because I moved to New York City when I was seventeen, um, and called like Paddles on like Thirty Fourth Street or something, and that and that was one of the benefits of dating someone so much older as my first boyfriend because I feel like I was like I'm a pretty I've always like been like pretty mature for whatever age I'm at so I was like able to explore all these things with someone who was really open and that was just pure luck of the draw that I met him someone who was open and embraced sexuality and and didn't and and female pleasure like I I just really lucked out with having him as my first boyfriend because we we would think from the feedback we get that it's not the more common experience. Oh no. Most people's first sexual experience is like really not great. But Mine even just in nice. the, the, the higher percentage of their sexual experience is not just their first one. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But I think, and I think part of that, part of that though is like, you have to take personal responsibility because like you're choosing your sexual partners and you're choosing your relationships. And a lot of people think, do not think very highly of themselves. So of course they're going to choose partners who are below them and who do not treat them nicely. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've had, well, you know, I've had guys who haven't necessarily treated me nice, like the specific one who didn't treat me well, like, mm-hmm. okay, wait, he treated me well, but he was like controlling or a little possessive or jealous, but very giving in the bedroom like it was probably the <laughs> best you know so it's nearly like i was like oh i wish you could be this commutative or normal in the other aspects yeah so it can be hard just finding a fucking it's hard balance. to get both you know yeah you're gonna get a good guy that can't make you come or you're gonna get an asshole that you will make you come like four make. times in one session <laughs> it's very hard to find both you know yeah. Uni- I mean, it's a unicorn. People know that and they can take advantage of that. They're like, oh, I don't have, I don't have to work on this other part of me yeah. because like our standards are so low. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm totally kidding anyway. But you'll, 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 you'll find that unicorn. Thanks. Make you come and. Oh, treat, I can treat. make myself come during sex now anyway, so I'm fine. I'd rather the sanity. Yeah. <laughs> well, the great thing about our podcast is Katie is also on a, a, a big sexual. journey journey oh what's the sexual journey she never used a vibrator before she started this podcast oh really she still cool. hasn't looked at porn i believe i haven't watched porn no but really you went vibrator before porn see i i don't use vibrator. i mean i've used a vibrator i don't like them i use i usually go full hand masturbation because i think we we put too much shit on our bodies and like i don't know but i'm also i'm also spoiled because i just come really easily so. Well, this was from um, a girl in ireland who is actually from america shauna and she does like healthy uh, so she gave it to me so that was the only reason why oh so yeah it was like part of the podcast so i used it and it was great but like i'm you know a hand or shower head we Oof. experiment yeah. on yeah. humans yeah because i was like we it ex- like burns my clit off we experiment yeah, on humans on our podcast katie is katie i'm is willing a- i'm willing so because i only that's came, good, good I only, for you i only came for the first time during sex this year so oh my gosh and that was just because of have you gotten anything done this year um, you know what? I'm uh, no. <laughs> I would be like your, your productivity must be at an all-time low. You have so much time to make up for. But you know what? That, I think that's so great because you were probably so much more productive in the years leading up to it. And now it's like you have so much 
like so all so much stuff to enjoy that other people who are 28 like are like they got to do heroin now because yeah. they're like what's the thrill <laughs> you know I, I think that's great because I do have a concern that like young women are trying like to, you, you, or, or and men too like we just get too much too fast with internet porn with all the devices we have with, with drug use with all this stuff and then it's like you got to save some stuff yeah, to cope later in life yeah. and I feel like not that any previous sexual partners will have listened to this but if they are I feel bad because they'll be like what a liar she told me she but I just thought I did I just didn't know I didn't think a lot of women don't you just don't you're like oh that feels like it sure right and you can certainly experience pleasure without coming but it's like once you come and you know what that is you're like (laughs) I know it was like a whole other world wow (laughs) I broke through yeah the great thing is that now that you're so so much older and mature you're going to experience porn it's almost like you should uh give yourself to research organization because they're so obsessed with the effects of porn on young minds and the yeah difference. be curious to see someone who hasn't experienced porn and has had so much maturity how it how you how it affects your brain and if there's a difference okay i so feel like nowadays you're a unique individual i don't even yeah. i just don't even, I'm, I'm actually impressed that you went th- like i mean like not even you, you didn't even catch a glimpse like i've never seen titanic but i've seen scenes because like how do i outrun it <laughs> well you when, know? I, when i was 13 the guys oh i could have been younger than 13 actually because yeah, yeah. i could have been like 11 or 12 actually now that i think about it but one of the guys put on horse porn and there was a woman having sex with a horse so oh, that was see, that's yeah. not so that was the only and i was like well not for me yeah yeah I, yeah I, yeah I, that's not what you want to watch and i was always afraid of getting viruses like if i like i wouldn't i didn't even know oh you gotta get a mac <laughs> i have a mac now. oh i was like mac you can yeah. fucking look up anything <laughs> yes. you can go to isis.com on a mac, mac now. She's ready. Yes, ready. you're fine <laughs> yeah macs are great they're they're pretty they're pretty virus proof but honestly i i, I think th- there's two things going on like i think it's a little bit of an irish thing a little bit of an irish generational thing too mm-hmm. in that i actually think probably more of your friends would probably think it was really weird to look at porn as a woman because yeah. I think over here it's really like a lo- lot more normal. Yeah, it is a little bit less. You know, it's definitely like it's a l- assumed that every man does, and like most women do here. Um, but yeah, it's I, it's it's pretty normal. I think most chicks I know watch porn. I don't watch a ton of porn, honestly, and I don't. But I, and I also don't masturbate a ton, just because like I like to get a lot of stuff done, and I get tired after I orgasm. <laughs> So it's all about productivity. But again, it's, it's, but it's also like, it's just not like, I'm not, I'm not seeking like the physical pleasure of the orgasm. So like giving it to myself, like if I can't fall asleep or something, yeah, great. Or if like, I'm just dating someone new and they're like sending me like hot dick pics or something. I like dick pics. Um, (laughs) Most people don't, but I like them. Um, Requested ones. Yeah. What? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Requesting one. Well, I don't request them, but like yeah. from people that I am obviously that it's, interested in. It's acceptable in. to have one Yeah, I don't sent. want like a dirty dick in my DMs. That's yeah. gross. Yeah. Um, I love the blur thing on Instagram. I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so like, that's that. But like, yeah, I mean like w- w- I want to come from like an intimate experience. I'm like a hopeless romantic deep down. So. Oh, me too. I'm a film student. All film students are. Like I, that's my, I have a BFA in film directing. Like that's like, that's the fucking films have fucked me up more than anything. That's so funny. I did video art, but we did watch a lot of films, so it's very similar. Yeah. Um, but I do like. I wouldn't find that it makes me sleepy orgasming when I masturbate. Like I like to do it in the morning in the shower. It makes me. F- it makes me feel happy. 
That's good because that means you're coming actually like technically correctly. I talked to um like an or like someone who specializes in orgasms, and and if you're coming like in a way that is best for you, you are supposed to be energized. And I've tried all these different breathing techniques and recommendations and stuff. And no matter what, it knocks you out. Which you're is such like, a guy. Well, it's like <laughs> you really are a guy. I know. I know. I'm like, I'm like my gay. I have a lot of gay male friends, and they're like, you're like a gay guy. Wait, have you used the shower head? I don't have a, a removable I, one here. Would, I've never had one in New York. I only had one in my home in New Jersey, and I cannot masturbate or come in my parents' house. I would, when you move to a new place, I recommend getting a shower head and the full power. Oh, okay. So yeah, because I like I, I would have definitely tried that, but yeah, I just don't have it had, and I, there's no angle I can get at that if it's up there. <laughs> yeah, that I can make it work. It's not forceful enough. Uh, <laughs> Just two two quick things then, just on like a serious note. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's unfortunate then, like particularly like in feminism, that there ends up being like one of these great debates about both porn and sex work, this sense of like people can't agree and that some people consider it violence against women, some people consider it like a healthy thing? Um, well, I mean, basically when it comes to like uh, sex work, I usually just say, let's talk to people who have done it because most, uh, like, uh, you know, and there are lots of you, you can turn on Netflix. There's tons of documentaries about people um, who are former sex workers who are vehemently anti-sex work. But again, it's like, you know, I'm sure there's comedians who are vehemently anti-comedy now because it's like, it depends on like your, your, your stance is going to be based on your personal experience. But then there are like the people, you know, like Lena Dunham, Tina Fey, pretty outspoken about being anti-sex work. And that for me, even though I love them both is a little difficult because it's like, that's like a very interesting stance to take when you've never done sex work yourself. You know, I know a lot of sex workers. I have not done sex work myself of any form. Um, cause I, I you know, after you like start the podcast, I should, I could, I should have done it previously, but now it's <laughs> not going to work unless I wear a, ma- a mask or something. Um, but, uh, I, I don't know. And, like, I definitely think, think I don't, I'm not like, Oh, everyone's having a great time owning their bodies in sex work. I think there's a lot of yes. people in sex work for the wrong reasons. I think there's a lot of mental illness. Actually, I know there is statistically cause I actually researched that for the book that we wrote because I love to play devil's advocate. Like I definitely am liberal leaning, but like I loved facts and you know, that's missing greatly from a lot of, uh, a lot of debate, a lot of liberal debate. And, um, so as someone who is a little more masculine, a little bit, uh, riding less on my emotions, I think that's what, what I can kind of bring to the conversation. It's like, ideally, do I want sex work to be positive And do I think it's a, a great thing to offer in theory? Absolutely. I think if you want to sell sex, yes, because I think it's necessary. I think there are many reasons why people can't find sexual partners. And I think that if everyone was having sex, the world would be a better place. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of mental... I know a lot of sex workers firsthand who are definitely not okay mentally, but I know a lot of people firsthand who aren't okay mentally. So it's like, you know, I don't know. Should you be allowed to go to an open mic if you're unstable? I'm not sure. Yeah, but I also think it's unfortunate that it has to be so divisive in the sense that mm-hmm. you say, why, why, do, why, do, why do you say feminism has to hang its hat on one side or the other on the thing? We just say, well, on this thing, we don't completely agree. Oh, I mean, and they don't. And I, mean, I think it's, you know, but it just goes along with like, because feminism, like liberalism, is just a lot of people on the same, on co- who are basically on the same side fighting with each other. And I was just, yeah, I'm, I, was, I talk about that all the time because it's, it's so frustrating. It's such a waste.
waste of but, time. Yeah, and why does feminism have to take a position on this thing? Why can't it just be that's an right. issue? Feminism doesn't have to decide if it's pro or against. I guess because it's like under the umbrella of women's issues. Yes. Uh, I, I suppose, yeah, but I mean, I, I always just go talk to sex workers. And I mean, and, and also just like little things, like, you know, no matter your feelings on it. So it's like people are going to f- could do sex work no matter what. It's, as they say, the oldest profession. So it's like one thing that's kind of like not debatable that you can do that helps people no matter what is like if you're going to consume porn pay for it and pay for women who have made their own uh, porn sites. Like Stoya is really great. She's a really uh, smart sex worker um, to write thing to read things that she's written. Um, and uh, my favorite porn star is a woman named Kimberly Kane and she does things like customized videos and stuff. And so she's able to do sex work, but she's her own boss. And I think when you're not your own boss, that's when you start getting into yeah. these tricky situations. Not to mention that a lot of young women go into porn because it feels like easy money, especially with the prevalence of cam girls um, on the internet. And they don't realize how disposable most sex workers are. You know, it's like na- like most people can probably only name a handful of famous porn stars. And that's because most of these girls will only last couple months couple years age out yeah yeah so it's you'd be naive to not think that there's a ton of exploitation Mm, yeah of course and and of course there is and um i mean part of that is the industry and then part of it is just like i you know part of it is also personal responsibility you know for anyone of age obviously underage is a completely different thing but it's like you know we 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 see a we see a Anytime you see a way to make a fast buck that seems too good to be true, it probably is. And the same as with like Hollywood, like the allure of this kind of like being this sexual goddess, like it's not that great. Like nothing is nothing in any entertainment business is as glamorous as as it seems, Mm. whether it be sex work, comedy, film, film star, any of that shit. That is good advice though about porn that you, if, especially if you're concerned everyone should be yeah. but if you're concerned you should consume porn where you know that you're giving money to the people that are involved yeah, yeah. Like i was like oh mental note kimberly kane yeah it? i like i bought a personalized uh a, a porn from her like i just like i like her as a person a porn and i like, like that it's like yeah old school, and like porn. you can tell you can tell uh, that she's actually enjoying it i mean i think like the same way as women get frustrated when with men and like things like the aziz situation where it's like he can't read the room it's like you can read the room in porn like these people are not are not great actors like you know like yes. you know that's like um, a part of the reason why I'm like, I guess well it's I'm really hot when it looks like they're enjoying it yeah, like for real yeah exactly and it's like you know a lot of times I'm watching it and anytime someone looks like there something was not discussed before the camera started rolling or you know you can fucking see it in a woman's eyes I turn that shit right off and I never watch that again and that's why I look like Kim- Kimberly Kane is fucking having a great time all the time <laughs> and I really like that she's doing the stuff she wants to she does you know she's you know in a that's you know she's like a Tim Burton of porn like working with the same people over and over again because you know she likes them she trusts <laughs> them it's a good experience like you want to work with your friends you want to work with people who you feel good around yeah, you want to make movies with your fuck buddies yeah she i mean she's married so she does a lot of stuff with her husband like her husband's i don't even think is a porn star but like she'll just like fuck him in his face won't be in it a lot like cool <laughs> great i love it he's you know? such a supportive husband that's great mm-hmm. well he's getting he's getting laid yeah and, Asa then, Akira and, then, and then his has wife a, is making money yeah. has a supportive husband too Asa Akira is another person who i always mention like when people say like oh who do you think is like a porn star who like truly loves it and embraces it and is like mentally there Asa Akira 
That's great. Mm-hmm. And she actually um, documents her life a lot on Instagram, recently had a baby, and it was very interesting watching the internet react to someone who is most most of the feed is porn and then some of it is like i'm having um this is a baby you know so it's just really interesting to watch and i was like i was good for you for fucking showing this because you know you're gonna get attacked on the internet we've all been attacked for much worse much (laughs) less you know well now we have to go because we both have spots all right yeah which is annoying which is annoying to me because the aziz thing was the was the final thing i wanted to talk about but maybe at some stage in your life when you have time yeah we can talk about consent because <laughs> you guys had a great chat on that on that thing about mm, yeah and i just watched aziza's special actually so i was gonna like uh, think. oh it was fresh in your mind I, well i was organizing my thought uh, my thoughts on that did you watch the special i haven't watched it i was yet. like i, I think it's good it. to watch if you want to discuss it because he obviously addresses it and it, you know no, as, as comedians it. yeah, yeah. Was, it's funny because i saw you on the 915 lineup for new york comic club yeah. and i was like oh I hope she has time yeah. <laughs> exactly that's why we I both have to go which, it, which, which <laughs> kills me because i'm enjoying the chat but it's all good real life Oh, we do want to uh, plug all your yeah. crazy successful Even shit. Even though they probably already know. <laughs> on, our, on our brand new podcast. Well, I feel <laughs> bad because Ireland's not avail- uh, uh, Luminary is not oh, yeah, available in Ireland yet. Thing. But they can get the free ones if they haven't started listening. Absolutely. The entire archive of the podcast is still available. So it's, uh, guys, we fucked the anti-slut shaming podcast. Uh, yeah, the episodes before May 2019 are available on Spotify, Apple, and I have another podcast actually called Two Less Lonely Girls, which is if you're like, you know, I need some light pop culture, Justin Bieber, Spice Girls, uh, and that is uh, available anywhere. It's not on Luminary, so you can get that in any country. Two Less Lonely Girls. Mm-hmm. And I'm at Philanthropy Gal on all social media. It's tongue-in-cheek. Relax. And, uh, <laughs> are you... You guys did like a European tour, right? Uh, we've performed UK. We do Canada a ton, and then we've done like all the US. No Irish plans. No. Well, we we would. It's just you know probably Australia will come first, and then Ireland, and then Germany. I would say is like the order that we would go in. Okay, great. So thanks everyone for listening. Great app. Thanks, Corinne. Thank you, Katie. Three thousand miles away. On the other side of the ocean is my Katie, my podcasting partner far away. Oh, my Katie, you're so fucking distant from me. As all Irish love songs should be. Come on, fucker. Anyway, thank you guys. Katie Boyle's at Katie Boyle Comic. I'm at Des Bishop. Um, I'm at the Vodafone Comedy Festival this weekend. Come check it out. Uh, Katie's shows are always on her, on her Insta. Check out Corinne's Insta, at Philanthropy Gal. And uh, stick around, guys, because we got another 15 minutes of a Love Island recap from last night's episode, which is partially why I'm in a good mood, because I did that first. And the singing thing kind of came from that. So anyway, check it out. Check it out. Love Island recap coming up. Yeah, so let's consider this. Like a bonus episode, even though I'm putting it at the end of the episode that you've just listened to. But I'm in Ireland. 
And last night was the first night I was able to watch Love Island live. Even though I actually only turned it on at 9.30. And I think some people might be jealous of me. Because at 9.30 yesterday evening, it was the beginning of the climax of Love Island when shit really went down and I was happy I was there because in the midst of me trying to figure out who was who because I knew all the names from the social media Curtis's Instagram Moore's Instagram the Mora and Curtis Instagram that followed me after I did a post a week and a half ago that Curtis Curtis's Instagram reposted and then suddenly I was inundated with Love Island followers. All this stuff kind of pulling me closer and closer to the island. Because you see, this is the thing. A lot of people like to say it's a load of crap. A lot of people like to say it's mindless rubbish. A lot of people like to dismiss what's happening on the island. But what they can't deny is that the island pulls you closer every day, like the tide, as if all currents flow to the island. Curtis pulled me in to the current. It's the only reason I even knew the island existed. But once I was in the water, it was only inevitable that one day, I, too, would wash up on the shores of the obsession. And now, I'm stranded, stuck in the Love Island obsession. And I'm okay with it. Officially 9.30, I was rescued. 9.30 p.m., Monday, July 23rd. Rescued by an amazing plot line was revealed before my eyes. I finally got to see an actual moving image of Jordan. I got to see which one was Ovi. Who's Anna? Mora and Curtis, their images had already been imprinted on my mind. And there's still a few of them that I can't tell who's who. Honestly, I can't tell the difference between India and Anna, I'm not gonna lie. So I can understand Jordan's confusion. But I turned it on and, you know, Anna and uh, Jordan were just about to have a heart to heart because uh, Anna was a little disappointed with Jordan's vibe. Now, to me, Jordan's vibe was just classic. You know, now we've, now we've decided to commit. And I got cold feet straight away. I mean, Jordan is just a stone-cold fuckboy. A stone-cold man that's used to getting a lot of pussy. And when you try to commit, the heebie-jeebies come on you, man. Which, if we want to get into it a little deeper, is probably based on some sort of fear of intimacy. I don't know this guy's childhood, but I'm going to make some sweeping assumptions that Something in there wounded him 
And when you dig down deep, deep into that inner child, there's a scared little boy worried about being abandoned and hurt by his mother. Could be some other thing. Could have lost his mom earlier. I don't know. I don't want to offend the guy. But there's a fear there, a fear of intimacy that drives this distance that rises the minute the closeness appears. I could recognize that. I know that feeling. And I could see that in his demeanor around Anna. I could see it straight away, even though I was a recent castaway on the obsession of Love Island. I could see the distance. And I recognize her reaction, that manic desire to try to understand why suddenly this man who had professed his commitment to her only a couple of days previously was now like a cold stone, like a passing stranger in the night. How can this transition be so quick? Many people ask. How can it be so quick? And he deludes himself with the feeling that perhaps it's because the perhaps it's because the new sense of being enamored with India is causing the distance. He tries to put put it onto her. I notice a lot of people call that gaslighting. I mean, gaslighting is kind of like a like a term that's really taken over. But he deludes himself by trying to suggest that somehow it's because Anna's not any fun because she's had a couple of down days. She probably got her period, man. She's probably just a little hormonal. Now she's not any fun. What relationship is going to be super smooth the minute you start when you're stuck in a house with cameras on you? You got to give a bit of leeway, no? But he deludes himself that somehow that's grounds enough to let the eye wander. And wander it did to India. Making Anna's manic energy rise even further and he did the classic guy thing which I think most women will identify with this sense of what's wrong with you why can't you understand that you've been down I just want to have fun and you're here like a raving lunatic you're crazy and you know maybe for a time some people were watching thinking chill girl you're pushing him away. Maybe they were thinking that. Chill. Or maybe they were right to a certain degree. Maybe they were right. Maybe Anna let the manic energy get too hot too quick. Maybe you could put that down as a criticism. However, it doesn't change the fact that Love Island allows you to know what's really going on. If you were just watching the two of them and nothing else, none of, n never when they were apart, you might say, whoa, Anna, hold your horses. Maybe the guy's just 
taking a chill pill for a day because you're all stuck in the same house. Hold your horses. But no, we can see it all. We can see that wandering eye looking for an escape from the intimacy, looking to find the next thing as if it's going to be any different, bro, which we found out later when Anna shouted at him. It's no wonder you fucked up. You've only been in one relationship, but you fucked a hundred women. Yes, exactly. It's no wonder. Because once that intimacy kicks in, baby, this motherfucker's running a mile. He is running a mile. Run, Forrest, run. Because that affliction, ain't get, you ain't getting rid of that affliction until you face that shit. But now nah, he's going to run. What fuckboy ain't going to run when he's in a house full of people that are looking for love? He's literally on an island of love. Of course that motherfucker's going to run. Because he's got numerous ports to jump into. To hide from that scared little boy. And man, that was something else. Now, full disclosure, I, I, I'm not going to be critical of Curtis. Curtis is my boy from the Dance with the Stars days. And, uh, well, I, uh, I, was, I was a little disappointed that he went to Mara straight away after Jordan had confided in him that he might sort of say something to India. I mean, I can understand Curtis is thinking, yeah, we're on a TV show here. You're not happy with Anna? Go, go somewhere else. Because, you know, let's, let's face it. You know, if I were to step back and be myself for a minute, the whole thing's a fucking joke anyway, right? I mean, this isn't real love that's happening on Love Island. It's a, it's a show. And, you know, I'm sure Curtis is thinking, you know, he's got a little bit of the Iago going on, a little bit of the Machiavellian fucking shit stirring going on, a big pot of fucking lavender-smelling shit. You know, that fake hotel lavender. Welcome to the five-star experience. Fucking lavender covering up the smell of corporate greed same on love island man a big pot of shit with a lot of fucking flowers covering it a lot of bright fake tan fucking covering up the shit so stir that motherfucker curtis stir it stir it up stir it up what stir it up stir it up stir it up what what love island watching Stir it up, stir it up. What? What? Love Island watching. What? What? Stir it up, stir it up. So I'm just practicing my modern hip hop. So Curtis gives some fucking Machiavellian advice, man. He's like, well, you know, what I want to say to you, what I want to say is that you should, you have to talk about this with Anna. You have to sort it out. But part of me is thinking, just go and see what's up with India. You know, and, and the funny thing about that is I get what he was doing. What he was doing was he was saying, before you fucking say anything to Anna, make sure this girl is up for it because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to fuck up. You know, you don't want to blow up the home when you ain't got no other home to go to. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to leave yourself homeless. Homeless. So... He uh, tells him to do a little checkeroo, which is, is sneaky. I'm not going to lie, but, you know, it's a show. 
And Curtis had his little switcheroo. So he knows the power of a switcheroo, how it can or cannot work. It's worked out well for Curtis because he got Mora. She's numero uno. Number one, Mora is the queen. And Bonri, she is the fucking queen, yo. So Curtis got himself the queen. So he's a king by association. So he's thinking, you never know, a switcheroo might work. But then on the flip side, he goes back and tells more. Now, sometimes with this show, I don't know, man. I feel like people are under instruction. Because I, I know Curtis. I know he's not dumb enough to not think that more is going to go. You know, and, and, and listen, if it was a soap opera, that's the way you write it up. And Moore's reaction was great. She was like, what? Sorry? What? Sorry, what? What was that? What? Sorry? Sorry, excuse me? What? Hello? Um, what? So she uh, immediately fucking throws a bomb. You know, it's bad enough, the Irish stereotypes. So you don't have to go throw a bomb on the Ireland. And man, what a scene. Because the great thing is now we know. Jordan's over there talking to fucking India saying like, yeah, I just need to let you know that I've got a lot of feelings for you or whatever. And fucking India's like kind of taking it in. She's liking the attention. You know what I'm saying? She was late to the party in there, right? So, so she's like, probably got a thing for this guy anyway. Even though Ovi's like, he's like, excuse me, mate, can I, can I have this dance? <laughs> yeah, he's fucking just jumps in on Ovi. Uh, and then he's in the middle of this like, you know, Hey, listen, you know, I know that I, like, said I'm going out with this other girl that looks exactly like you, but, um, you know, I just need, I need her, but maybe, like, without all the moaning and the fucking, you know, the desire for, like, affection and shit. You know, I just need, like, a fun version of her for, like, another few days until this feeling rises up in me again, and I do to you what I did to her. So, like, do you mind if I just do that? And then fucking Anna runs over like proper fucking working class nightclub shit. Fucking, are you talking to my fucking boyfriend? Like she gets up in his grill. Oh my God, it was fucking great. And he's like, well, I'm just I'm just having a conversation. I'm just having a conversation. And like, we know he's not having a conversation. He's fucking cracking out to this bitch. Oh my God. I was fucking dying. I was like, man, I've lied. I have lied like that. Stone Cold lied. Oh my God, the lying. The fucking lying. And we all know it too. We all know it. And he doesn't know what's going on because he doesn't know Curtis ratted him out. Loose lips sink ships. Well, this motherfucker's going down. His ship is, his ship is sinking. Sinking down, down to the ground. Your ship is sinking. Oh shit! You are thinking that you're slick, but your ship is sinking. Whoop whoop! Ship is sinking, going down, 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 down to the ground. Ship is sinking. Whoop whoop! Ship is going down on Love Island. You are going down. You think you're styling, but you are going down. Ship 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 sinking sinking. Uh, sinking sinking. What what? His ship is going down, and he didn't even know how the hole got in the boat. <laughs> Well, well, well. That was a great end of the episode. And I'm very happy to uh, to have witnessed it. I'll get to know the rest of the people. But right now, all I care about is Moore and Curtis. And that they win. And I think Moore is going to have an incredible career. 
I hope Curtis, uh, you know, I hope they have a real relationship on the outside because that's difficult. And, you know, Curtis is actually a lovely guy. And uh, the show obviously can do weird things and people might think different things about Curtis, but whatever, man. The, sh the, the show is not reality. And Curtis is a lovely guy. And I do think that he cares about fame. I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I mean, it actually came up in the episode you just listened to. I don't mean it in a judgmental way, but I think he is a little bit driven by fame, uh, despite the fact that he's a good dancer. But I, let me tell you something about Curtis. In the years where he was in Ireland, and like he would come to my show sometimes. Actually, I've got I got to find that footage. I, I got some great footage of all of us dancing on stage together in Vicker Street. But like I remember when my agent met him, she was like, what does he want to do movies you know like he has something you know there's something there more than just a pretty face you know there's a there's an energy a vibrancy an innocence too uh which is uh attractive so i hope number one they stay together and have like a real relationship uh because you know i think they have similar interests in that you know being famous is probably numero uno for both of them um and uh, I want them to win. And I hope nothing else. Be I hope there's no big fallout from him doing the little ratty McRats rats uh, on, on Jordan. But, you know, who cares? He, you know, he's, he's in with Maura. He goes back and gossips to, she's so funny, Maura. He's like, you know, I want to tell you a little bit of intel. I want to tell you a little bit of, in a little bit of information uh, or whatever. And she says, about us? And he's like, no, about someone else. And she goes, well, that's gossip. It's about someone else. That's gossip. <laughs> so funny, man. So, anyway, uh, I won't go on any longer, but maybe I'll do a couple of bonus apps now that I'm back. Um, bonus apps about Love Island, and uh, well, yeah. I mean, I've I've already signed off on the other apps, so this is over. This is over. What? 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 It is over. Love Island app over. What? I think I might have to do like another one of my um my songs from that app that I used to put on the beginning of the episode. It's the Love Island podcast. Dance Bishop does the last few apps of Love Island. Are you going to come listen to it with him? It's the last few apps of Love Island podcast with Dance Bishop. Chatting about the show. Here we go. Oh, yeah. It's the last few apps of the violin. Curtis and Maura. Oh, please let them win. Let all these other motherfucking English go to hell. Yeah. I want the Irish girl and my friend until the end of the violin. Yeah.